0: This is The Guardian. Just a warning, in this episode we refer to serious crimes including the sexual assault of children. I'll be listing some support lines at the end of this episode, but until then, please take care while listening. I'm Jane Lee, coming to you from Wodundjeri Land, and this is the full story. <laughs> The High Court has ruled it's unlawful for the Australian government to keep people locked up in immigration detention indefinitely, upending a policy that has lasted for almost 20 years. The High Court's just made a significant ruling on indefinite immigration detention forcing Labor to release dozens of people from detention. Let's go to Canberra now, where we are learning more details about the detainees released into the community after a controversial High Court ruling. Now, what's been celebrated by refugee advocates as a victory for human rights has turned into a fiery political debate over community safety and discrimination.
1: In the last 48 hours, we learned that the hapless Minister for Immigration has taken a decision to release 83 hardened criminals, rapists, pedophiles, murderers, the rest of the detail he won't disclose. They want us
0: to bring forward legislation. Well, here it is. Here is the legislation, and what we need from the Leader of the Opposition is to come forward and say that he'll support it. Today, the problem with indefinite detention. It's Monday, the 20th of November. so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash
2: switch.
3: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
0: So Paul, there've been a number of people released from indefinite immigration detention recently. Can you talk me through who these people are?
4: They're a group of non-citizens who don't have valid visas. They've exhausted all their legal options and the government wants to deport them. But for a bunch of different reasons, there's no way that they can do that in the foreseeable future.
0: Paul Karp is the chief political correspondent for Guardian Australia.
4: As of Thursday night, there were 84 people that were in that position that were released because of a High Court decision, which we'll get into later. Most of the group had their visas cancelled on character grounds. Now, that can be because they were convicted of a crime, or it could be because they were charged or just suspected of a crime. So we don't know how many were convicted. Also, some of those are sexual and violent crimes, but not all of them are. You can have your visa cancelled for drink driving or fraud, for example, and then Everyone who was convicted of a crime has served their sentence and been released from prison and then gone into immigration detention. All of these people are people whose cases have been finally determined, meaning there's got no more avenues of appeal to try and get their visa back. And we know that they're people who can't be uh, removed or deported. So they are stateless people. They are people who are owed protection obligations because they are refugees or they're intractable cases with, you know, identity issues or, or no paperwork to go back to another country. So that's why until the High Court decision, they were stuck in this limbo of being in detention for many years, in fact, indefinitely.
0: So as you say, Paul, these people were released into the community because of a recent High Court decision. What do we need to know about that case?
4: The case is about a stateless Rohingya man. Uh, He's aged about 28 to 30, known as NZYQ. That's a pseudonym. He pleaded guilty and he was convicted of raping a 10-year-old and then after his sentence was taken into immigration detention. And this is one of those really tricky cases because he's stateless, he can't be taken back to Myanmar, and the options there are indefinite detention, finding another country to take him and none were willing that that was asked uh, or or releasing him into the community. So he was in indefinite detention uh, until he brought this case challenging the legality of that.
0: So the federal government argued that indefinite detention is legal and that NZYQ shouldn't be released. Why?
4: Well, the government was defending the case because there is this category of people who It is almost impossible to deport and that they don't want to release into the Australian community, either because they fear the risk to the community or because it's a terrible headline to be releasing, in this case, someone who raped a 10-year-old.
0: Paul, when did Australia's policy of indefinite immigration detention start?
4: Australia has had a system of mandatory immigration detention for unlawful non-citizens since the Keating government in the early 90s, but the problem that developed was what do you do if someone has to be in detention because they're not lawfully in Australia but they can't be taken anywhere else? And in 2004, uh, the High Court in the Al khateb decision said that those people can be kept there indefinitely mm. and that that's allowed by the Migration Act and the Constitution. So that was the legal architecture in place since the Howard government. And that has been a very contentious idea. Uh, Lawyers have wanted to challenge that decision for a very long time, but it requires a very particular type of plaintiff, someone um, who has no prospect of being removed. Uh, That proved difficult to find the perfect case to do that over the years, because a number of times when legal challenges were brought the Australian government managed to convince another country to take them or decided to release the plaintiff. And so it hadn't been before the full court of the High Court in 20 years, and this was this was round two to check the legality of this principle.
0: Right. And so this latest case, the NZYQ case that's happened in recent weeks, overturned this decision in Al-Khateb, making it clear that indefinite detention is unlawful. How significant was that decision?
4: Incredibly significant because the High Court in NZYQ found that Because of the separation of powers, the executive government couldn't require them to be detained indefinitely. That's only something that judges can do. And because that's a constitutional ruling, it's not something that can be fixed up by changing the Migration Act to make it clearer that that's what parliament wants to have happen. Mm. It's a constitutional ruling and you can't legislate around it to just haul those people back into detention. And as a result they've had to release, you know, 84 people immediately. And it's brought the detention of a larger cohort into question as well. The Home Affairs Department said there are 340 people who've been in detention for over a year. And the Solicitor General suggested that these cases could now also, you know, result in challenges as well.
0: Well, the High Court's decision led to the government releasing dozens of people from immigration detention days later. Do we know how these people felt or responded when they were freed?
4: Well, advocates have said that these are people that have been in in long-term detention, often uh, traumatised from having fled from persecution uh, and that they were, of course, getting the first taste of freedom, getting to reunite with family and, and to have freedom again to live in their community, that that was a huge relief to them. But also, that it's incredibly difficult because they're so institutionalised they weren't even sure if they could, you know, go to the petrol station to buy a lighter because they're so used to um, being under guard and not having that liberty.
0: Mm. How is this decision and the ultimate release of these detainees received by the community?
4: Well, refugee and asylum seeker advocates uh, welcomed the decision. Human rights bodies, including uh, the Australian Human Rights Commission, which intervened in the case, arguing for this outcome, welcomed the decision. They've always maintained that indefinite detention uh, is not compatible with international law, that it's a violation of the rights of those people that were detained. And so this was a great correction of the law, and had been a long time coming and and ended the suffering of, of people that had been in detention, some of whom for over a decade. But that's only one side of the story. From the other perspective, I mean, there, there were victims of crime who, although, you know, the perpetrators of those crimes had served their sentences, I spoke to a victim of, of rape who was told that her rapist would be kept in indefinite immigration detention would never be free in Australia again. And this was, like, incredibly traumatising to her to find out that that was no longer the case. There's been a lot of media attention to particular high-profile cases of the worst of the worst, which might give a, a misleading impression about how dangerous this cohort of of people is. But I think it's it's fair to say that there was some community concern generated as a result of this.
0: And what has been the political response to this?
4: Well, it really blew up. The Coalition has been hammering the Albanese government for over a week now about why uh, there wasn't more immediate preparations for a legislative response.
1: The High Court had given indications in relation to this matter. A competent minister would have dealt with this matter by way of legislation at the first available opportunity and he would have rushed that that legislation through this parliament. So as to prevent the 83 from going out into the community... With the
4: now, I said you can't uh, legislate to just re-detain the people, but there are other things that could be done. But what we saw over the course of the week was sort of inflation uh, of the record of these people and of the number of people it applied to. So first we got, you know, the, the assertion from Peter Dutton and Dan and that all 84 of these people are hardcore criminals or hardened criminals.
1: Following the High Court decision, the government released some of the 80 hardened criminals, which include murderers, rapists and child sex offenders into the community without a visa. Is this true? Order. Members on my left. In the last 48 hours, we learned that the hapless Minister for Immigration has taken a decision to release 83 hardened criminals, rapists, pedophiles murderers the rest of the detail he won't disclose
4: when there's no evidence they've all been convicted and then the 340 people who have been in detention for more than a year they then made the logical leap that all of those people must be hardened criminals as well again without without evidence there was you know attacks from the coalition to the government about why they weren't better prepared.
1: Why is it not possible for the government to implement a preventative detention regime which would have prevented these 84 hardcore criminals being released into the community and creating a risk to the safety of Australians?
4: About why when the cohort of 84 people were released, at first they weren't they didn't have visas for the first day or so uh, because the government had to release them immediately to avoid getting sued for false imprisonment. They had to release them immediately and, and the, the conditions followed later when they were given visas. That was a very controversial thing. Why weren't they ready to put them on visas with conditions from the moment they were let out of detention? So there's been a lot of questions about the government's handling of it. No one disputes that they have to uh, abide by the High Court ruling, but the question. Politically, has just been have they been prepared enough for that?
0: Mm. And that brings us to last week when you started hearing rumblings that the Albanese government could actually be rushing through emergency legislation in order to respond to the High Court's decision. What were you hearing?
4: Yeah, so the coalition had been smashing up the Albanese government for a few days. The government had said they were considering legislative options. The Home Affairs Minister, Claire O'Neill, recognised that there was concern in the community and that, you know, she said numerous times that if she could keep them locked up, she would.
0: I'm raising three children in this country and I can tell you that if there was anything in my power to keep these people in detention, I would absolutely do it. And our single focus in managing the mandatory impact of the High Court's decision is community safety.
4: And we started to hear rumours from from advocates from the crossbench who noticed that there was a gap in the schedule on Thursday that had been cleared uh, to deal with some last-minute legislation. Uh, And then around noon on Wednesday, uh, we got confirmation there were internal party processes at work that was going to give a tick to a bill to be rushed through on an emergency basis.
0: Mm. So then on Thursday, Labor introduces this bill... What exactly does it do?
1: To the minister, Thank you, Speaker. I move that this bill now be
4: read a second time. Andrew Giles introduced the bill on Thursday morning uh, with a number of safeguards. This bill proposes urgent amendments
1: to the Migration Act and the Migration Regulations to support the effective management of non-citizens released from immigration detention following the decision of the High Court in the matter of...
4: The bill applies more stringent conditions to the bridging visas of the cohort of people that were released, uh, such as more mandatory reporting of, you know, your whereabouts, your associations, um, you know, who you're living with, if you travel interstate or all of those sorts of things. There was electronic monitoring, which is ankle bracelets uh, and curfews, which as introduced was originally going to be discretionary. So the minister would decide on a case-by-case basis, based on how risky the person being released was judged to be, whether to apply that condition. Now, Labor got beat up by the Coalition, who demanded that those conditions become mandatory. It agreed in principle to that amendment, but then got advice saying that that was a step too far. Eventually, the Coalition secured a presumption that those conditions must be imposed unless the Minister is satisfied that the holder does not pose a risk to the community. And James Patterson, the shadow minister, has said that's a high bar and the coalition expects all or almost all of the cohort will have electronic monitoring and curfews. What that means is that the minister has to be satisfied that the person does not pose a risk to the community if he or she is going to let them off from the curfew or the electronic monitoring. So the presumption is everyone is going to be getting it. The bill also introduces, for the first time, criminal penalties for breaching a bridging visa condition. So, as drafted, the, the maximum penalty uh, was five years in prison, but the coalition succeeded in having added a minimum penalty of one year in prison and that every day that you breach is a separate offence. So, it's, it's a substantial toughening of the bill and, in fact, breaches uh, Labor's national platform, which says that they oppose mandatory minimum sentences. And now that's exactly what the parliament with Labor and coalition support passed on Thursday evening.
0: It sounds like they're going as close as they can to uh, a detention without actually uh, re-detaining these people. Is that right, Paul?
4: Yes, it's it's a series of measures that are targeted very directly at the people that have been released as a result of the High Court decision. Mm. So these, cr- you know, criminal offences don't apply to the breach of other visas like student and tourist and skilled visas. What it is is a set of extremely restrictive things that okay, we were forced to release you from immigration detention, so we're just letting you out, but with a long list of caveats.
0: Some have criticised Labor's. Bill, as not respecting the decision of the High Court. What do you make of that?
4: Yeah, so David Mann, the Executive Director of Refugee Legal, went on RN Breakfast and said this amounts to extrajudicial punishment. The Greens have argued that it's detention in name only. Mm. San Marti Verma from the uh, Human Rights Law Centre has pointed out how discriminatory it is to treat unlawful non-citizens who have served their sentence in this much harsher uh, way than any other uh, person who is released from prison you know any day who is an Australian citizen. So there have been numerous concerns about the impact uh, on their on their human rights.
0: Next, political point scoring in indefinite detention. Jane Lee here with a quick note about The Guardian we have a magazine called Guardian Weekly it's the only way that you can read The Guardian's independent journalism in print it gets delivered to your door and it covers global news long reads the environment and more and we currently have a special Black Friday offer for new readers in Australia where you can get 50% off the cost of an annual subscription the offer's only available until November 30, so if you're interested, go visit theguardian.com forward slash weekly or search Guardian Weekly subscriptions.
2: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music where all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the
3: ads. Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. They've designed must-have travel styles for when you need to jet. The lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit makes these shoes some of the most packable styles ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot code SUPER24. Well, we're still waiting for
0: the High Court's reasons. Do you think there could be another challenge to this legislation going forward once those reasons are available?
4: I guess the argument would go along the lines of just like detention is only something that judges can apply because it's a form of punishment, so, you know, a curfew uh, and an ankle bracelet is a form of punishment. But, uh, you know, maybe a judge could make that as a condition of parole, for example, but not the executive government. I'm sure it will be tested uh, in the near future, but the government says that they are confident that their assessment is that this will withstand challenge. But, you know, you never know. Well,
0: as you mentioned, this bill goes against Labor's own national policy platform on this. What does this tell us about Labor's approach to asylum seekers and refugees?
4: Well, I don't think they wanted to end up here. I think they wanted to have more safeguards so that the most stringent conditions of curfews and ankle bracelets were only applied to higher-risk cases. But I think they are still in government perceive themselves to be vulnerable to attacks uh, about um, national security and community safety and about handling of of refugees and asylum seekers. It's a hangover of, you know, being outflanked on the right by the coalition um, during the Tampa crisis under the Howard government and uh, of of the constant, you know, weaponisation of their failures in government with the arrivals of boats, with people risking perilous journeys at sea, they're so cowed from the political defeats on, the, on those issues over the years that even though they're in government now, the opposition led by Peter Dutton was successfully able to dictate terms about what should be in the bill.
0: Mm. Well, the opposition leader, Peter Dutton's strategy of stoking division in the community, blaming migrants for problems in housing, community safety, has been growing over time. And I guess it took centre stage in the debate over this bill last week. What does this moment represent for Peter Dutton as an opposition leader?
4: I think every moment for Peter Dutton represents an opportunity. Like, he, he looks for angles to exploit anything going wrong, community dissent over Israel, Gaza, the voice referendum, a decision of the High Court striking down a two-decades-old precedent that, you know, created some difficulties for government but was going to create difficulties for government regardless of whether it was Labor or the Coalition in office. It's just a big opportunity uh, and a a big target to fire at to say that that the government is failing.
0: And it seems as though he's taken that opportunity in the last week or so. Would you say this is a victory for the coalition?
4: I think the government response uh, was unnecessarily messy. And so I think the coalition have scored some points on, you know, should have had legislation ready, should have had visas with conditions from the second people um, were released from detention. But I think that the the government is, is correct that, They had attempted to preserve the regime of indefinite detention. They lost. They are responding to what they're required to do um, by the High Court. I think the Coalition have made some hay from legitimate small missteps, but a lot of what they have implied, that um, the the government had an option to re-detain these people when really they don't, that would be unlawful to do that, I think the coalition have relied on sort of intellectually dishonest arguments to pretend that there's something else that the government could be doing when that that isn't really the case.
0: So, Paul, what started as a pretty huge milestone in Australian immigration law has turned into a really big political fight in parliament. Where does all this leave us?
4: Well, I think the demonisation of uh, refugees, asylum seekers and people in long-term detention is clearly still a fixture of Australian politics. We've heard the 84 people routinely referred to as hardened criminals, even though we don't know how many of them have been convicted, even though you can have your visa cancelled on character grounds for crimes that are not violent or sexual, like fraud. So I think this group has been successfully uh, demonised and you can expect that that rhetoric will continue. But kudos to the High Court for improving our conformity with human rights, even if a person released might you know, still be experiencing all these incredibly restrictive things like curfews and ankle bracelets. Their situation is materially better than it was two weeks ago. It's just, can we manage the fallout of it in a way that doesn't unnecessarily scare people, that this group of people is is a threat? Can we minimise whatever risk to the community there is without validating the most lurid fantasies that are conjured by focusing constantly on, on the worst of the worst?
0: That was Paul Karp, Chief Political Correspondent for Guardian Australia. If this story has raised any concerns, you can call the Kids Helpline on one 55 1800 or the Blue Knot Foundation on one 657 380 You can find out more about this issue in Paul's latest article called Labor Accused of Caving to Dutton as Draconian Bill Restricting Release Detainees is Passed. I've posted a link to this on the Full Story website. This episode was produced by Karish Maluthria, Alison Chan and Daniel Simo, who also did the sound design and mixing. The executive producer was Hannah Parks. That's it for today. Tomorrow, we're launching the first episode of a special full story series called The Weight of the World. It's about three scientists who were the first to predict the climate crisis. What did they know when they knew? And can their experience tell us anything about how we can keep going? Have a look out for it in your feed. I'm Jane Lee. Catch you next time.
2: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts?